Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. So we're doing teaching. If you weren't here last week, instead of preaching, we're doing a teaching session um, for for these four Sunday nights. Just while the preaching time, then we come back at the end and have another worship song and ministry time. Who enjoyed last week for all those that were here? That was uh, really good stuff on uh, uh, why we believe the Bible. So tonight we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit, yes to the Holy Spirit. And uh, for those that uh, are part of Bayside, you know that's part of our DNA. The B is for Bible Base Foundation. A is always generous. And Y is... Yes to the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't got some notes, just pop your hand up. If you need a biro, if you need a pen, just uh, keep your hand up for a moment. We've got a few spare biros because there's a few spots you need to fill in. And uh, that will be really good. Okay, so in the Bible, Jesus, before he left, he said, I'm going to send someone to be your helper. So the Holy Spirit, the, the original word is paraclete, which means helper, comforter. Strengthener, encourager, standby, our guide. There's about seven things that the Bible says the Holy Spirit is. So tonight, we want to have a look at some of these aspects of the Holy Spirit. So we value and honour the presence of the Holy Spirit. Everyone ready? You got your notes? And uh, most of it will be in your notes. Sometimes I might add an extra scriptural thought and uh, have your pen ready because there'll be a few spots as we go for you to fill in some gaps. So basically, we value and honour the presence of the Holy Spirit. We do this by making room for people to encounter Him in our services. That's why we make room in the worship time, um, in our ministry time, altar call time. We pray for one another. We make room for the Holy Spirit through prophetic worship and prayer, by the teaching and preaching of God's Word, and through healing ministries. Our desire is for everyone to learn how to host or carry the presence of God. So it's not just the pastor or the evangelist or the worship leader that needs to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We want to teach everyone to know how to carry, to be ones who bring his hope into our um, marketplace, into our shops, into our homes. So this is about encouraging us to be carriers or hosting the presence of God. This is made possible by following the leading of the Holy Spirit, learning to recognize and listen to his voice and obeying his directions. One of the most beautiful things when you're in... um, Newer Christians learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, it's just a, a sort of a, a knowing inside. For some, you see visions or pictures. Others just get a, a flow of spontaneous words. That's how it often happens to me. I'll be talking or leading and all of a sudden this flow of words that I wasn't thinking of before comes rushing into my mind and my heart and I know it's the Holy Spirit. There's always a peace with it. There's not fear. There's always a sense of helping others. It's not about you. The Holy Spirit filled you to bless you, but then to help others. So learning to know the voice of the Holy Spirit is really, really essential to grow as a Christian. Romans says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. So it's not just making a statement or a prayer or reading the Bible. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. So we have an awesome, we have an awareness of an open heaven. This means we can freely receive from God by accessing His presence and promises over our lives. The best way to receive from God is to position yourself and your family in a spiritual home and wholeheartedly respond in faith to His calling and purposes for your life. That's why we come to church. 
It's not just to, so we can sing with the band and have some cool songs and, and enjoy a message that will touch us. We're belonging to a family of God. We're positioning ourselves where God's presence and power can touch us, overflow us, and bless every part of our lives. And so that's what we do here. And uh, Exodus 33, verses 14 and 16. This is uh, Moses having his conversation with God. And God said, I want you to take the people of Israel into the promised land. And God said, I'll send an angel with you. And Moses said, that's not good enough. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? When you know the presence of Jesus, something happens. You walk into a room and the atmosphere shifts. You bring hope, you bring love, you bring peace. And as Peter was sharing before, we bring the opposite spirit of the panic and the fear that's going on in our shops and all around our community. We carry hope and peace. We have our own needs, but we carry that love and that hope because perfect love drives out fear. And when you're carrying that, it's by your words, by your actions of kindness and generosity, we push against the spirit. So what distinguishes at Bayside is that we are a Pentecostal church. What does that mean? Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so we believe what happened on the day of Pentecost can still happen to Christians today. Some churches aren't Pentecostal. They are evangelical. They're Bible believing. But they have some challenges where they don't believe that the Holy Spirit can be poured out the same as what it was then. They say he was poured out then to start the church or for Jesus and the disciples to bring miracles and breakthrough. But they say it doesn't necessarily happen today. We just happen to believe that what the Holy Spirit did then can still happen today. Just for English, give me a wave if you've had God heal you in some way in your body or your soul. Look at that. Probably 80% of people here can say, hey, God's If you didn't get healed, you know someone else that has been. Probably that's just about everyone. And so God does heal today. He brings breakthrough, protection, um, transformation in our hearts and our lives. So we teach that every believer can be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in a heavenly language. And that's what we encourage people to know, to experience that heavenly language. And if you, I always say, to speak in other tongues and have the heavenly language doesn't make you a better Christian, it just makes you better equipped. Because we're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're born again by following the ways of Jesus. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're better equipped to have power, strength, freedom, the supernatural gifts that help you to live in another realm of blessing and breakthrough. That's why we're passionate about the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit here in Harvey Bay in 1975. That's 45 years ago I've been learning to walk in the Spirit and I'm still learning how to do it better. But I just love, passionately love the Holy Spirit and His presence. So Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the uh, blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So it's a heavenly gift. And people say, well, how can you receive that gift? It's a gift from God. And, it, and it's like you speak, but the Holy Spirit gives you the words. And your mind says, I don't understand it. And I taught a while ago, why would God use speaking in tongues as a, 
as the sign of being filled with the Spirit. Because the tongue is one of the hardest members of our body to surrender. And God knows to surrender our tongue often means we surrender our heart and our mind and our whole being. And then the Spirit of God comes and gives us a supernatural language to speak in. And if you haven't received that gift as a Christian, I encourage you to have your heart open. At the end of this session, we'll, we'll sing a song. We'll offer to pray for you because God can fill you with that gift of His power. So we make room for and believe for the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit to function. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10 lists nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean they're the only gifts, but there's nine key ones that are listed. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Now there's nine different gifts. I've listed them in three different areas here, and this can help you sometimes understand how God gives them. The first three are what called revelation gifts. You know something supernaturally. How many of you have been talking with someone or praying with someone, all of a sudden out of your mouth and heart comes stuff that you didn't naturally know and all of a sudden they're crying or they feel a breakthrough happen because the Holy Spirit knows their heart and life and He chooses to flow through you and I to bring heaven to earth for their soul. Or you've been sharing with someone who doesn't know Jesus and all of a sudden you start asking them questions about their family, other things, and all of a sudden they open their heart to Jesus because God's flowed through you. Or you get just the right verse or the song just comes in your heart and all of a sudden that's a key to help that person be refreshed or for your own life to break through so there's revelation gifts the first one is the word of wisdom a word of knowledge and discerning of spirits so a word of wisdom is when God will give you something and you just see they're talking and all of a sudden you say hey I've just heard you say this phrase three times in that conversation and all of a sudden you focus on that and they think wow I didn't realize that that was a bringing fear over my life. A word of wisdom. A word of knowledge is where God shows you something about someone that you don't normally know. You don't naturally know, but it's a help for you can be an encouragement. And thirdly, discerning of spirits. Someone can be telling you the most amazing story and the Holy Spirit saying, don't trust them. They just, they've got their own agenda. Or someone might be full of fear and you think, oh, mate, how are they ever going to get through? But the Holy Spirit says they've got a lot of fear and a lot of pain, but inside they've got faith for a breakthrough. And so you're discerning the positive and the negative. And you can't use that to go around judging people and saying, mm, you're out. No, it's to help people come into freedom. It's to help you to discern and see things that you don't see naturally. And what a beautiful gift it is. And often it flows very naturally. The next one is the three power gifts. We all love the power gifts. That's you do something supernaturally. It's the gift of faith. It's the gifts of healing. And it's the working of miracles. And we love this when you pray for someone and they get instantly healed in front of you. you something happens. And I've told this story before, but Hayden and Sharon Midas that are in our church... And I remember years ago, she had major health issues, was really seriously ill, in and out of hospital, was unable to have a child. And I remember one morning, I was standing there, we were worshipping, I looked around, I saw him come in at the second song, and as she walked in, I felt the Holy Spirit say, today's her day. That's all he said. And we kept worshipping, I knew she was going to get healed that day. I just knew a gift of faith dropped into my heart, 
And so when it came time, I invited her out the front, we prayed for her, and I knew that she was healed. I just knew. It wasn't like often you pray with a prayer of hope saying, God, I I believe for something to happen. I knew she was going to get healed that day. She went back to the doctors that week and they were all amazed. Months later, she got pregnant and had a beautiful uh, girl, Jessica, who's now 15 or 16 years old. And that was the miracle that happened here one day. And I said, Lord, why doesn't that happen every week? That would be awesome. But it's a gift of faith that every now and then God will drop it in your heart. But he won't do it unless you're living a normal trusting life of faith. You've got to do the dailies well and then God will sometimes do the suddenlies. You say, oh, I want wisdom. We'll be reading Proverbs and the Bible and get general wisdom in your soul. And then every now and then when he knows you need it, he'll give you a supernatural gift. And so that's what he wants us to do. And uh, it's, it's awesome. And the work of miracles. Well, yeah, hallelujah, we want that happening more and more. And that's a gift. Often God will give that more often to evangelists or missionaries or breakthrough situations. But I've seen it when a person gets saved in a whole family and God will do a whole lot of miracles one after another to break open that whole family or people group. And God can do it. I remember meeting a lady here many years ago in our church. And I said, tell me your story. She said, I was on the Sunshine Coast. None of our family were Christians and a pastor, two pastors were door knocking and saying they were starting a new church. They said, is anyone sick here? And the lady says, yeah, my, my granddad's really ill. They said, can we come in and pray? So they checked with the family, they went in and prayed for this guy. He was dying. He got raised up off his bed. And she said, in the next two years, I counted 100 of my relatives came to Jesus through that one miracle. This is about 25 years ago on the Sunshine Coast. And I thought, that's a working of miracles that broke open a whole family for the kingdom of God. Sometimes God will do it. Just be open and believe for it to happen. The speaking gifts, you speak something supernaturally. Prophecy, a message in tongues, or interpretation of tongues. And we have that happen. Sometimes it's sung, sometimes it's spoken. Prophetic word is always to bring encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 to 4 says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies, prophesies edifies the church. So when you speak in tongue, you are strengthening your own soul. I encourage you, do it as often as possible. I pray in the Spirit all the time. If I'm in the car on my own, I'm often praying in the Spirit. I've learned the more I pray in the Spirit, it just keeps me tuned up and focused on the supernatural of God. If you prophesy, you are building up other people. Now, a prophecy doesn't have to be me standing up here with a microphone. You can be talking with a friend and they're just overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, God gives you a a faith. You say, hey, I believe God's going to turn this around. I believe God's going to turn this around this week. And it can be a prophetic word of hope. It brings hope, encouragement. doesn't have to be lights and bells and whistles and, and everything sort of supernatural. It's just the Holy Spirit flowing through you. Often the more natural, the more powerful. And when you prophesy over people who are not yet Christians, you can't... So God's just spoken to me. You just freak them out. You just start talking normally and all of a sudden the conversation shifts and you can see hope start to come in their soul. And you've moved from conversation into a prophetic word of hope and breakthrough. And the Holy Spirit wants to flow through us more and more for people's lives. So which, here's a question for you. Which of these gifts has the Holy Spirit used in your life? Just jot down. Maybe some of these have already happened. Say, yeah, I remember that time when I had a prophetic word or a a word of knowledge came. Just write down a couple that you've, God's used you in. If you haven't been used in any of them, that's okay. Why don't you jot down one you say, Lord, I'd love to flow in that.
That's what I was like when I was a young guy and a youth leader. I'd hang out at the front, watch the pastors and the evangelists, and I'd say, one day I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to pray for the sick and they're going to get healed. One day I'm going to be able to prophesy like that. And I would be, I was the catcher and I was just close to the action. And I said, God, just let, it, just let, let me catch a little bit of this. And I said, one day I'm going to be able to prophesy over people. And that's what I just wanted. I just hungered after. I said, Lord, I want to be able to bless people and see them come into your kingdom. I want to see, I want to lead people to you. And so I just said, Lord, show me how to do it. And I remember it was in life groups when we'd worship and we'd just praise in the, in the spirit and then God would start to show me things. And that's where I learned to prophesy and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Over a couple of years when I was 18 and 19, 20 years old, that's when I learned to hear the voice of the Spirit and to step out in God. So jot that down. Then there's nine fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 3 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You've got to fill in the blank there. Love, joy, peace, patience, <coughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I wonder why it's the last one when it's the toughest one. Um, the, tr- the Passion Translation gives a bit more insight. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Have a look at those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We need the fruit of the Spirit flowing all the time so that you've got a healthy foundation for the gifts of the Spirit when they flow. Because when the power and gifts flow, it can become really, in, wow, it can go to your head really quick and think, wow, God's using me. This is awesome. He says, I want to use you more, but make sure your character and your integrity, because fruit of the Spirit is the character and nature of Jesus. So make sure your heart is right, where there's humility and patience and grace, and then he will flow through more. I want you to turn to someone beside you for 30 seconds and have a little chat about which fruit of the Spirit do you struggle with the most and how God's working on it. Just turn to someone. Which fruit of the Spirit, those nine, do you struggle with the most? Say, God, help me. Help me. Just 30 seconds. Then if you want, you can change tack and say, which one do you find the easiest to flow in? So let's do the positive. Which one do you find the easiest to flow in? That just really overflows your heart. Let's focus back in for a moment. Now you realize fruit on a tree, you don't have to try and make the tree produce fruit. I have to go down the back every day to my mango tree and says, get some mangoes on you. If I water it and it's in a good atmosphere with some decent soil, it will automatically produce mangoes in its right season. The fruit of the Spirit is the same. If you stay connected to the life of the Spirit, the fruit will grow in your life. You won't have to strive after it. You might have to sometimes deal with the old nature and the flesh and say, I'm not going to live an impatient life. I'm going to learn to be patient. Holy Spirit, show me how to do it. The good news is with the fruit of the Spirit, yeah, now... Make me patient now. The good news is the Holy Spirit will often develop the fruit in relationships. How do you know you're, you're patient? It's how you treat one another. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need life groups and relationships of trust and uh, friendship that we can do that. 
So the, the fruit of the Spirit is the nature of Jesus. He is full and overflowing with these characteristics. At Bayside, we believe that we are a prophetic influence by carrying the presence of Jesus into our community. This is expressed through our prayer and declaring the promises of God and through our actions of love and service. We display generosity where there is poverty. We speak blessing instead of negativity and pray for supernatural healing when there is sickness and need. This is done by the Holy Spirit working through us, which changes the atmosphere and transforms individuals and families in our community. You know, church, our life groups, our youth groups, our prayer groups, this is where we learn how to move in the life of the Spirit. This is where we learn how to hear the voice of God. When you're worshipping and all of a sudden you're thinking, really drawn to this, and then the worship leader just says the same scripture you were just thinking about. Aha, you're learning to be in tune. And that's where we learn in a small group. You pray for someone and the God flows through you and you think, they say, how did you know that? And you learn that you're hearing the voice of the Spirit when you're praying. So when you go back into your families and to our community, you can be led by the Spirit in a very natural way with those who are not yet Christians. So this is training ground. This is, this is where we learn to be led by the Spirit and where we learn to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. This is the way God trains us. So we do the opposite of the negative and we carry the presence of Jesus. Acts 2, 17 and 18 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in these days and they will prophesy. Hey, we need to be declaring hope in the midst of the, the panic and the fear. We need to be praying blessing over our community. That's why we need to be stirred up in our spirits. So it's really hard to stay quiet and boring in a Pentecostal church. And we want you to be growing in faith and He will flow through your personality. Some people are a bit scared of the supernatural. God's saying, oh, I might end up being someone I'm not really. I say, no, the Holy Spirit will set you free to be the real person God always made you to be. I've found in me it's got rid of my fear of people. It's got me uh, growing in patience and wisdom. And I've found that I've become free. Because the Holy Spirit has created you with a personality, a, a creativity, a mind, experiences. He takes even the ugly stuff from our past and can use it as a gift to heal other people's lives. They say, wow. If Jesus could set you free of that, maybe you can change my life and my family. So God, the Holy Spirit will release you to be the best person you can be. And that's the power. So that's why we flow in the Spirit. So we're Pentecostal. When someone says, what's Pentecostal mean? Go back to Acts 2.4. Explain the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after Jesus went back to heaven. That's what it means. Pente is 50. So it was a feast the 50th day after that. Okay, turn the page. We're just going to do one more key one, and Meredith's going to help me on this one. So uh, we're just doing two subjects each week, and service. Serving is an essential value at Bayside Church. Why do we serve? Jesus taught us, by example, the value and impact of service. We serve because we're part of the local church, which is the body of Christ, and serving helps us have a sense of belonging and fulfillment as a partner at Bayside. You notice that when you start to get on a team and serve, you feel like this is our church, not the church. 
This is our family, not just a group of people getting together. So we have a sense of ownership, you know. You give, you invest your talent or your gift or your time or your hospitality or your skill or your administration, whatever it is, your leadership, and you feel connected and saying, wow, isn't it awesome? God's flowing through my life to bless others. So service, Matthew 20, 28, Jesus showed us, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What is service? It's shown by serving, we serve God by serving others. Service is God's love in action. And serving builds and strengthens the body, church body, and is an example of Jesus to our community. How do we serve? At Bayside, many aspects of church function well because of the willing servant hearts of our leaders and volunteers. We serve in teams. This is where we combine our strengths and multiply our effectiveness and we achieve more together. Working in teams develops our abilities, confidence and people skills. Isn't it amazing when you're in a team, you grow. You think you've got all the ideas and, and uh, it's really powerful. Marilyn, come on up and share some more aspects of serving and give her a welcome when she comes. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. Hi, everyone. I want to talk for, for a few moments about um, you are more than a volunteer. When we're talking about serving, you know, Australia, in Australia, we have a very strong culture of volunteerism and it's born out of necessity, influenced by our Christian heritage and passed on by example from one generation to the next. Like we've seen recently in the bushfires and then floods, like many Australians volunteer for no financial benefit whatsoever. Um, these volunteers uh, are a great benefit to our community and many of our services like the, the SES, the Surf Life Saving Cup, the Rural Fire uh, Fighters and churches, these groups would not function without our volunteers. The problem is the word volunteer is not in the Bible. It's not exactly a biblical word. And it's something that's developed so strongly within our culture. And it's something that we honour, and rightly so. Because greater love is no one than this, than to lay down their life for their friends. It's a, it's a Christian, it's a biblical um, concept. But um, when I was, I was just looking at this, the word volunteer that's commonly used today, but it's not exactly a biblical word, um, it doesn't fully describe why and how we serve God. So um, I saw the, the topic of Ross's notes when um, one day I was looking at his Bible college notes and there it was, more than a volunteer. And I thought, that's it. That's it. <laughs> We're more than a volunteer. Why are you more than a volunteer? Let me answer. You are more than a volunteer because you are called and you are chosen to serve God. You are his son and his daughter. And we serve out of relationship with God. Now this, this um, gives us, gives everything you do dignity. And it gives everything that, that we're a part of us a sense of destiny. Um, in John 15, 16 it says, Jesus said, You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I have appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name the father will give it to you so you are called and you are chosen 
And then knowing that, as I said, that you are called and chosen gives value to everything you do. Knowing you are called to serve God gives every task dignity. Jesus called his disciples by name. He called them one by one and said, come and follow me and I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you a great teacher. I will make you a great parent. I will make you a person with influence. I will make you a great leader. I will develop the strengths and talents that are within you because I know who you are. I created you and I know what's inside of you. Follow me and I will make you. And that's the, the essence of the serving that we, give, that we give. We volunteer out of that relationship. It's, um, it's a subtle diff, but a powerful difference. In John 10, 3, it says, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice and they follow me and I call them by name. Now, when, when Jesus, we hear his voice, the, the longer, the, the, the closer you walk with Jesus, the clearer and clearer his voice becomes. You begin to know that's the voice of God. A few times you might step out and, you know, do something that didn't quite go right. But, but you, you get next time you think, no, no, that was the voice of God. I just took a detour <laughs> somewhere along the line. And you get better and better at hearing his voice. And he calls you by name because you're a daughter, because you're a son. And there's the relationship that develops this, this, this servanthood that comes out of that relationship. You are more than a volunteer, number point two. You are a partner in God's kingdom. We partner together. In Philippians 1.6, it says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Ross and I want to thank you for partnering with us here at Bayside. When you volunteer, when you serve on a team, when you give your, your time freely, you are partnering together with us to see God's kingdom extended. When you drive one of our vans and bring people to church, you are partnering with us to, to bring them into the kingdom. When you are serving and um, you know helping children, looking after, caring for children, you are partnering together with us to see them come into the kingdom, come into the under the influence of His anointing and Holy Spirit. So the third, what are some of the characteristics of a Bayside volunteer? So we serve God by serving others. This is fundamentally um, the bottom line. We serve God by serving others. It doesn't get much simpler than that, <laughs> whether it's um, the, on the coffee cart or the, the sound desk or the lighting, you know, on, this, on the worship team, on, on you know, whatever uh, in a practical way, whatever the gift is that you are operating in, most of, you know, like 99.9% of the time, it's a God-given gift. And when you surrender that to God, he will make you an excellent leader. He will develop you and he will show you and unpack to you the strategies of his kingdom because we're partnering together with him, with the extension of his kingdom. We serve God by serving his people. We serve with humility and joy. We're talking, Ross was talking about the fruits of the spirit. And Jesus didn't come to be served and waited on. He's our example. He came to serve and then to give his life 
and it's a ransom for us. So Jesus is our example where we keep a joyful spirit and heart as we serve and we serve with humility. We serve with an attitude of gratitude. We stay thankful. This is a key principle of life. And it's kept me going um, for many years. <laughs> we celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary next Sunday. And uh, we'll be here. <laughs> but there's, a, there's something really important here about serving with a grateful heart and being grateful and thankful for what you have, counting your blessings. If you're feeling a bit let down and feeling a bit negative, feeling a bit, uh, you know, is, is, is it really worth it? You know, count your blessings. Have a look at what you have. I have a strong, healthy body. I can walk. I can get up and walk wherever I want to. You know, there's a lot of people cannot do that. Whatever it takes to get grateful, list and 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 list out your blessings. Count them one by one. We are faithful. We are faithful in the little things, and we're faithful with other people's things. These are kingdom principles. These kingdom principles work whether you are um, working for someone or not. Whether Wherever you are in life, be faithful with the little things. Why? Because God sees. Even if nobody else, if you get away with it. And I remember there was a time, God's refining work of lordship in my life. And there was this one one area of my life, I don't know why, but I wanted to test the grapes to see if they were, you know, Woolies, is, is that bunch a good one? You know, like there's just bundles of grapes. And and I'd say, oh, you know, that bunch looks good, but, you know. And, you know, the Lord said to me, you didn't buy that grape. How are you ever going to pay for that grape? And I felt, I felt it was saying, you know, I'm faithful in little things and other people's things. I don't steal grapes. I don't even take the peen I don't take peanuts off, you know, like you know they used to have these big open things where you could sort of pick at things and but if it's not mine, if I haven't paid for it, I don't take it because I don't. I respect other people's things. And I know these are little things, but um, it's the same with pens at work, you know, like that belongs to the boss. It's not yours to take home just because you can slip it in your bag. It's 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 principle of life, faithful with, with little things, faithful with other people's things. We work together also in unity. This is powerful. This is also a work of the Holy Spirit. Unity binds us together. The Holy Spirit binds us together in unity. And that raises a whole other um, a whole other level of communication and iron sharpening iron. And there may be a bit of friction. There may be a bit of a clash. But we come through the storming till we get to a norming and we're able to function and move forward. It's not to say that life will be without conflict. It's what we do with it that counts. What we do with conflict brings that we can bring unity, that we can bring somewhere to go somewhere forward instead of, um, you know, isolating and dropping off. So it's important that you communicate with your pastor or team leader as to where's the best place for you to serve. Now, if you are, you are serving out in the car park and you've got a brilliant voice and you can play guitar let somebody know <laughs> you know like if if there's if there's an area of gifting that you have and you you sort of you might be 
a little bit of a square peg in a round hole, talk, talk to us and find out where's the best fit and, um, and so that your gift can flourish and that God can develop and make you a better, you know, whatever that gift is within you. You might have a real gift with technology and, you know, data, go for it. <laughs> Knock yourself out. <laughs> it's like we need them. <laughs> and just to let, let that gift be surrendered to God and see what he'll do with it. One of the things that can stop you from volunteering is offence. Offence will come because, like I say, there will be some clashing. There will be people on your team, I'm sorry to tell you, but there will be people sitting beside you every Sunday and that can cause offence very quickly. So what's the answer? How do we overcome offence? I heard this quote and uh, it's a goodie. It says, love is the best defence against offence. I'll say that again. Love is the best defence against offence. You, have you noticed that everybody is offended lately? It's like everybody is offended. They've got some, some beef about something. And, and it's, it's only, it's even just simply people taking offence because you believe differently to them. It's a simple, you can easily take the bait of Satan. There's a book John Bevere wrote years ago called The Bait of Satan and the bait is offence. And in the church, it's you, it's, it's rife. You know, like you can easily take offence. People say the most ridiculous things to you. And if I took the bait every single time, I would not be standing here. I would not be in ministry. I would not be here, I would not be married for 40 years if I took the bait of, of offence every single time. You've got to realise that when you take the bait, and you may even be justified in being offended, but what I've found is you give that to God and let love fill your heart and you say, God, help them. I choose to forgive. God, help them. What, whatever their need is, whatever is causing them to um, give out sour lemons instead of honey, you know, sweet drinks, you know, like God minister into their hearts and their lives and you're free to keep going. And uh, so it's, but it's, it's an important thing in the body of Christ that, that when people are offended that we talk, that we, you come to God, come to us, come and, you know, like let's look at a way forward. Let's, let's look at what's happened. Let's apologise. There's a concept, a new concept for some folks. <laughs> you know, what I have done, if, and own it, and I'm sorry, and I want to move forward. I'm not perfect, but I am, I'm surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, and I want to move forward and not cause you to be offended or stumbling, be a stumbling block to you. It's a very important aspect of staying in the game, staying in the partnership, staying connected to the body of Christ and staying on the vine where the fruit grows. Like we said, fruit grows and it lasts when you stay on the vine. And, you know, Christ is, is, uh, is wanting us to do that. So um, there's a great scripture in Psalm 119, verse 165. It says, Great peace of those who love your word, and nothing will offend them. In the Passion, it says, There's such a great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word, and they will never be offended. The word of God has power to help you to overcome offence because it's truth. 
there's truth and there's life and it's like a sword. It divides between the soul and what's of the spirit. And when you don't have the answers, the word will. And it's, it's a solid foundation that you can stand your life and build your life on. Stay committed to the work of lordship in your life. This is a, this is a, a life of surrender, surrendering our will and saying, like Jesus did, not, not what I want to do, Lord, but what do you want me to do? I want to do your will, not my own. Stay committed to the process and the, um, it's the stages of lordship. Christine Kane, a great woman preacher, said, The degree I have allowed God to work in my life is the degree that God is able to work through my life. I'll say that again. The degree that I have allowed God to work in my life is the degree to which God can work, is able to work through my life. God wants to form his image in us, in you. So we serve with an excellent spirit, not just a spirit of excellence. There's a difference. Again, there's a subtle difference here. Daniel 6, um, 3, it says, When Daniel had distinguished himself above the governors and the sad traps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. So we're not serving um, just to do an excellent job to please people, to keep the boss happy. We serve out of an excellent spirit, out of that base of I'm a son of God, I am a daughter of the King of, in the, of of the Lord, and I serve in the kingdom of God. I partner together with the gospel of Christ. I partner together with my brothers and sisters, and I, to see the kingdom of God extended. So we have that excellent spirit, letting those fruits grow in our lives. We serve with an excellent spirit and attitude. And we do it for the Lord because there is a great reward waiting for you. And, and there is rewards. God sees it all and he is a good rewarder. He will bless you and he will abundantly supply um, far more than you could ever imagine or think. Colossians 3, um, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with your, with your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So we're serving him. We serve um, with that good attitude. We're serving him. So just in recap, what makes us more than volunteers? Number one, you are called. You are chosen to serve God. Number two, you are a partner. You're a partner in the gospel. And number three, you serve with an excellent spirit. And we, number four, we stay committed to the process of lordship. And, and there's just a couple of quotes there to finish. Love is the best defence against offence. Be encouraged. God will continue to develop you over time. Don't be discouraged if you, you feel like you take two steps, three steps forward and two steps back. You know, s- just keep staying on, <laughs> staying on the path because you will make progress and you'll be able to look back and, and, and it may, f- may feel like others are ba- making bigger progress than you. Just 
Run in your lane. Finish your race. Your race is different to the person next to you. And so, you know, don't be discouraged. God will develop you over time and he will. He knows the gifts that are within you. He knows the, the strengths that, that he has in your life and he will develop that and he will continue to work his grace. You are more than a volunteer and we greatly, we love partnering together with you and serving God together. It's the most rewarding life. It's the best thing you can ever do is to, for both you personally, for your marriage, for your family, for your children, it will, it will, it's a success, yeah, it's a great life. God bless you. Well done, well done, well done. It's a team effort, hey? Wow. Just a couple of things to wrap up. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Wow, every part. If the sound guy didn't show up tonight, we'd have real problems running church like we do. The drummer decided to uh, not play. I know you like Jack's passion on those drums, mate. It just is so awesome. I love your passion there, Jack. Wow, we may not have it all together, but together we have it all. So quickly wrapping up with attitudes of service. Number one, we serve wholeheartedly and with joy. Ephesians 6-7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do. This means that everything we do is for the Lord and not to impress others. Serve to bless, not to impress, Danny Guglamucci says. Number two, we serve with faithfulness. Serving with faithfulness is being reliable and consistent. Being faithful is to be trustworthy with little things, other people's things, and money. And we've already looked at that. Luke 16, 10 to 12 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So God will test your heart in how you look after the bosses or other people's property. I used to work in a bank. And when I was 19, I ended up being the number one teller in a large branch. And sometimes, back in those days, there wasn't FPOS, so there's a lot of cash. Sometimes I would have half a million dollars go through my hands in a week of actual cash. And I'm thinking, here I am, 19, God's trusting with a half a million dollars going through my hands. And I thought, how did that happen? It was like the Lord says, you've been faithful in the little things. I'm now trusting with money. And, and then it moved from handling worldly wealth and money to handling the riches of the kingdom of God and helping people encounter salvation and healing. And I know if I didn't pass some of those early tests, he probably wouldn't be trusting me now with my place of influence and leadership. So don't discount those little things. Um, we are blessed to be a blessing. So we serve with humility, honouring others, follow Jesus' example. He expressed the full extent of his love for them by washing their feet. So I've got a comment there, go and grab a towel. Just go and grab a towel and serve someone. Wash someone's feet, just clean up their mess and you'll see that God will release greater blessing over your life. And sometimes as servant hearts, we get frustrated because other people don't see what we see. You notice that servants, they see what your others don't see. They say, how did you come you didn't see it? I said, I didn't see it, but you did because that means God wants you to be a part of helping meet the need. The key is don't get upset or angry when others don't see the need because they will see things differently. And we've got to really be careful. Don't be like a Martha. 
be a Mary. Martha was doing her job, but she got angry at Mary for not helping make the meal. She'd decided to put on a five-course banquet, and all Jesus wanted was a cup of tea and sandwiches so he could keep teaching. So make sure you're not doing what God hasn't asked you to do, and then you get frustrated when other people didn't help you. I've learned if I do what God's asked me to do, then I won't get frustrated with other people as easily. Galatians 5.13 says, You were called to be free, but be, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Worship team, come on up as we just finish the last point. We serve with the gifts and abilities God has given us. God will help you find the best place to serve because this is where you find the joy and fulfillment of using your gifts to serve Him. Over the years, I've ended up doing some things that weren't really my gifts. I would be faithful to them, but I just wasn't that good at it until someone else came along and says, hey, you can do this way better than me so that I can flourish in what my best gifts are. That's why we have teams. So uh, God wants us to uh, find our best place. There are many parts in the body of Christ and each part is essential and valuable for our church to function well. Last scripture, 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We talk about God's grace to save us. Do you realize gifts are graces of God? Charismata, which is, we call about charismatic, which means you are spirit-filled and flowing in the gifts and power of the Spirit. Charismata means grace. Charisma is grace. So when you move in the gifts of the Spirit or when you um, help serve and do hospitality, you are moving in the grace of Jesus to bless others. How awesome is that? You might be fixing up someone's car or repairing their computer. You're doing it out of love and you are re releasing God's grace to help that person who is frustrated by that. There's no, you cook a meal. Some of you are just are brilliant cooks. I'm an average cook. I won't die. I'll make sure. But I'm not a brilliant cook, so I know that's not my best gift. Marilyn's great hospitality. I get someone to come in and see. We get talking. She walks in and says, have you offered them a drink of water? Oh, I was getting around to it. We've already been talking for an hour. So hospitality is not my best gift, but I'm getting better at it. So we function in our best gifts and we serve together. And just the little tag at the end, for those who would like to get involved in serving at Bayside, you'll need to fill out and complete a blue card application and a volunteer agreement and code of conduct. That's so that we can just serve well together. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.